Today's Spotlight is brought to you in part by presenting sponsor, Busey Bank. Busey, your dream, our promise. Welcome to Spotlight. I'm your host, Jane Wernette. Today I'm joined by three local nonprofits, the Morton Arboretum, the Forest Preserve District of DuPage County, and Bridge Communities. You're watching Spotlight, and joining me now from the Morton Arboretum is Terry Marshall. Welcome to the show, Terry. Hi, glad to be here. Really happy to have you. You've got a super big anniversary going on this year with a 100-year celebration, which is exciting. But I also think it's interesting to note that it was the president of Morton, or founder, really, of Morton Salt yes. Company, right, that founded the Arboretum. Why? Joy Morton. His family motto was plant trees, and his father actually founded Arbor Day. So he grew up loving trees. And when he bought the property in 1909, he set about learning all he could about how to establish an arboretum. So by 1922, he established this arboretum on 175 acres, which is now 1,700 acres. Uh, he also established a library and an herbarium way back then. So he was all about planting and protecting and studying trees. That's amazing. I mean, who would have known? And what a gem to give to this county, right? It, it absolutely is. It, you know, people don't realize uh, how much this the arboretum means to the Lyle and the Western suburban community. Uh, it, it's a lot of activity. It's one of the most beautiful places that people can visit. Yeah. Now, explain to us a little bit, what is the difference between an arboretum, a forest preserve, a park? Like, how should we think about that differently? Yes, people like to call the Morton Arboretum a park. It is not. <laughs> it's an arboretum, which is for the study of trees. It's all about trees. So when you come, there is method to the madness in where the trees are, and you go through collections. And it's a scientific institution. We have a, an entire scientific staff that is researching trees, both here and around the world. Uh, the Arboretum is actually one of the uh, largest tree science institutions in the world. Wow, that's interesting. I've lived uh, 20 miles, <laughs> not even 20 miles, probably 10 miles. I did not know that. That's fascinating. Yeah, it, it, and we're, you know, we're studying trees in Baja and in Europe and in um, Latin America. It's just, just everywhere um, that they're studying trees. Our, our scientists have been to China. So it really is an influential institution. That's incredible. Now, you have this big anniversary going on, 100 years yes. old, which is great. Uh, what are some of the special things that you have going on? Uh, you know, I really encourage people to go to our website because there's something happening all the time. We have history hikes. When the tram is working in the spring, they'll be talking about the history. So there's history woven throughout a lot of the educational programs and activities that are happening throughout the year. Um, and then we're going to also have a special centennial sculpture by Daniel Popper for our human nature exhibition. So that will be introduced in uh, June. That's great. And you have something called the Grand Garden. I love the sound of uh, that. So give the viewers a little bit more understanding about what that is and when it's opening. Uh, it is going into also a historic area of the Arboretum that was the Hedge Garden that was initially created in 1934, but it's going to be more than two acres of uh, gardens and flowers and trees and plants and water features. Um, so it's going to be a place for celebration and relaxation, um, but it's going to open in September. So we're really excited about that. People can see the construction going on now, and there are renderings on our website if people are curious about what it's going to look like. 
Yeah, and, and you've had a lot. I mean, one of the things that you've had over the last five years is a lot of new things happening. New garden, new spaces, your big uh, leaf project. Where, where are you at with some of that stuff, Terry? Yeah, you know, um, people don't understand that the, the Arboretum is really always changing and growing. Um, so, you know, we have a children's garden that a lot of people don't know about. Um, you know, we've got a, a library uh, we you know, that's going to have an exhibit. It's actually going to have a historical exhibit. Um, so, you know, th there are 16 miles of trails that people can walk. People can ride their bikes on the roads. Um, so there's a little something different every time you come um, to, to see and to do. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and, you know, it's a good place. You just mentioned that you have the children's garden. So, and, and I don't know, you know, people think about taking their children to the park, right? Maybe they don't think about taking their children to the Arboretum. Why should they come to you know, the Arboretum? You know, people love the children's garden, but they also go out into the you know far reaches of the Arboretum with their kids and walk the trails. And then, of course, we've got the Human Nature Exhibition, and kids love this exhibition with these large-scale sculptures. But I love the Children's Garden um, because there, it, there's a lot to touch and play, and in the summer they can go in the water features, and there are tadpoles and things to climb, and, and it's a lot of fun. And then we also have a maze garden. Um, there's a little one for children, and then there's a larger maze for, and kids like it too, just to run around the maze garden. So there, it really is a great place for kids. And lots of discovery. There is a lot of discovery. And, you know, and we do have uh, children's early education staff who are in the garden. So if you have questions or, you know, and they have different play areas. So it's very tactile and educational as well as fun. So Terry, I, that's a really wonderful thought, you know, that when you're coming around the Arboretum as a family, as a parent, that you can kind of take a step back a little bit and let your children be educated by another adult. I would imagine people really enjoy that. They really do. And you know, we have so many programs for children. We have summer science camps. Uh, you know, we have Little Trees, which is early childhood education throughout the year. So really encourage people to check out what we have for children. Okay. And if we were planning, you know, if we had never been to the uh, Arboretum before and we were thinking about planning a visit, you know, what guidance, what suggestion and advice would you give to us? I think the first thing is that you've got to go to the website and look around. Uh, we are requiring timed entry tickets to be purchased in advance. Uh, online. Tickets aren't available at the gatehouse right now. And that's because it's actually improved the entry into the Arboretum. There used to be long lines of cars and people would wait for, you know, half an hour or more sometimes just to get in. So this time entry ticketing has really minimized the crowds and makes it easier to get in. And just to, you know, plan their day of what do they want to see, which areas do they want to go in, because we have nine miles of roads. So some people like to drive, some people like to walk, and just plan where you want to go within the Arboretum. Arboretum. And then stop for lunch, plan to have lunch, stop at the store, <laughs> and, and make a day of it. Yeah, I love that. And, and I love the idea. I mean, it's always so interesting, right, how the pandemic, while there's been lots of negatives, has sort of sparked these new little tweaks to how we do things that turn out to be better. Right. We started it because of the pandemic and found that it actually improved uh, the way that people came into the Arboretum and that the majority of people really like it. So, uh, you know, people go to the website and check it out and make sure that they get those time tickets. And then you have an hour to come in. So, you know, there is some flexibility. It's, you know, not like you have to be right 
right at three o'clock. You have a three o'clock ticket. You can come in until four o'clock. And then stay as and long stay as, as long as you want. Lovely. So you really can make a day out. Oh, absolutely. Wonderful. Terry, thank you so much for stopping by. We're super excited oh. for your 100th anniversary. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. And if you're interested in learning more about the Morton Arboretum, please go and visit their website. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We're coming right back with more Spotlight. For more than 150 years, you've believed in Busey. Today, more than ever, we believe in you. To our healthcare workers, first responders, and local businesses, you're central to the communities we're proud to call home. Busey's grateful to partner with you and your families through life's ups and downs, today and for generations to come. Because as neighbors helping neighbors, we're in this together. Busey, grateful to serve the communities we call home. We all have a story to share, stories others can relate to, whether moments of sorrow or of hope and inspiration, whether a story of struggle or a moment of victory. Every little moment captured and shared helps us to feel more informed, helps us to feel more engaged with and connected to the community we all call home. Every little moment captured and shared adds up to something greater for us that something is the collective story of Naperville, a city rich in its volunteer spirit, its diversity, its traditions and celebrations, and so much more. In Naperville, there are so many stories worth sharing. And for the past 35 years, it's been our honor to tell those stories and share them with you. If you're just tuning in, you're watching Spotlight. I'm your host, Jane Wynnett, and joining me now from the Forest Preserve District of DuPage County are Daniel and Janine. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. We're really glad to be with you, Jane. Yeah, I'm excited to be with you. And even though we're inside, not outside at the Forest Preserve, like we were last time, Daniel, which was super fun, um, let's talk a little bit about the Forest Preserve. You've had a lot of challenges, as we all have, with the COVID pandemic. So talk a little bit about that. Well, we were really excited to be there for our residents. You know, certainly it was a challenging time and we wanted to keep everybody safe and we're really proud. Our 26,000 acres absolutely kept our residents safe and they found us. If they didn't know we were there before, uh, we went from uh, just under four and a half million visits pre-COVID annually to nearly six and a half million visits wow. in 2020 and that replicated in 2021. Uh, and so again, we have people enjoying the trails, enjoying our dog parks, and we were open every day so everybody could be safely six feet apart with their masks off and enjoying open spaces in nature. Yeah, isn't that funny how sometimes those things that really seem to be a challenge present these other wonderful opportunities. Like you said, you've been found by about another two million people, which is Absolutely. awesome. Absolutely. No, and I think people appreciate it even more, you know, whether it's the park district, the arboretums. And absolutely, the forest preserves. People appreciate these spaces, and I think they're really dedicated to keeping it as part of their daily routine, whether it's with their dog walking uh, or a hike with their family or just a little bit of solitude. Yeah, right. Good for the mental health, good for the physical health. Absolutely. Yeah. You have some interesting restoration projects going on. Uh, so give us a little bit of background on those and what you're up to. So people noticed uh, we've gotten some concerns. Uh, we do have a large amount of restoration projects uh, we actually have nearly a thousand acres that we're working towards restoring right now. And so we're very excited about that. We have uh, two that your viewers are probably very well aware of. 
Egerman Woods, and Herrick Lake. Herrick Lake is our largest restoration ever. Wow. 550 acres we're trying to restore there. And it, be, it can be shocking at first when we have these restorations happen. Mm -hmm. We're removing all of the undergrowth because most of it, if not all of it, is invasive species. Mm. Not from DuPage, not from Illinois, not from the United States of America, most likely. And so when you remove that, it looks like we have removed the forest. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're absolutely cleaning up these invasive species so we can have wildflowers return. We can have some oaks come back to that area. We can have a restored prairie. And so these restoration projects do take a year or two to show fruition, but when they are completed, it is a gorgeous ecosystem and a great habitat for our you know, flora and fauna. Yeah, it's so interesting you say that because I live not far from uh, Egerton Woods and I was thinking, what is going on there? You know, it seems to be a lot of trees missing. So, um, sure Janine, you're, you're new to the Forest Preserve District. So first of all, welcome. Super glad to have you with the, with the Forest Preserve. Um, talk a little bit about what our viewers can do to help you because you've had a lot of challenges. You've got a lot of new things happening. So how come viewers get engaged? Absolutely, I would love to share some ideas. So the first way that people can get involved, uh, Dan already talked about the visiting our forest preserves and helping to take care of them while you're there, um, picking up your litter and making sure that you leave it in a good condition for the critters who live there and our, our neighbors and our future generations. You can also volunteer with the Forest Preserve District. We have so many opportunities in our preserves and at the education centers. And I'm really excited in my new role to be part of the Friends of the Forest Preserve District's mission, which is to raise funds to help advance these really exciting priority projects in the district's master plan. Some that you've already mentioned and some that you're gonna tell us about in a little while. Um, the Friends are really generous folks here in DuPage County and really across the country who give generously to help the Forest Preserve. Um, those native plants that you talked about some of us can't get enough in 60 preserves. We want some of them at home. So a lot of folks right now are signing up for our native plant landscaping series, which the education department is putting on, which are beautiful classes online or in person. And then when your design is ready, you can come to our native plant sale. It'll oh. be in May at Mays Lake Preserve in um, May 12th, 13th, and 14th. Okay. We're selling pre-sale tickets for the 12th, so if you need earliest, best opportunity to shop, come on out with the Friends of the Forest Preserve on that first day. That's lovely. And I love, you know, the fact that what you're talking about, if I'm understanding this right, and you're gonna correct me if I have it wrong, is I could plan this native garden, because I think that is something that mm. a lot of us are not really super familiar with the native plants, but then you see them and you're like, wow, those are amazing, right? But you have people that can help us figure that out. Yes. And then you're saying, I can just come and shop the forest preserve. Absolutely. That's that. absolutely right. Yeah. Our, Full service. our interpreters are, are putting on those classes. They're wonderful. I attended the first one at our preserve at Oak Meadows, which is a brand new clubhouse. And there are many more coming up. So check out the website for the schedule. Yeah, that's exciting. Wow. Yeah. Love that. Okay, getting ready for spring. Daniel, <laughs> as we think about getting ready for stuff, you know, you've got lots of things on your plate, I know, but what are some of the priorities for 2022? Well, as Janine mentioned, you know, in 2019, we passed a very ambitious master plan, 32 projects and several initiatives, and we are making our way through those projects. There's about $100 million of work at our preserves, taking care of what's already there and restoring our property. So, we did go get a bond. Uh, we were able to get $40 million without raising taxes. We're gonna keep those flat on our residents, but we're gonna do some fantastic projects that include a new animal hospital at Willowbrook Wildlife Center in Glen Ellen. Oh, nice. Yes, we had 11,500 animals brought in last year to try to have us 
take care of and rehab and release. And our facilities are aging, over 40 years old in that building. And so we're really excited about the new animal hospital. And it's going to be a net zero facility. What that means, is it's going to be carbon neutral uh, when it's completed with geothermal heating and cooling instead of normal HVAC and a large solar array to power the facility and complex. How exciting. Yes. So we are thrilled to be a leader in the area and trying to make sure that we fight climate change and that we help these animals adapt to these new, you know, really crisis in our communities. And so with the restoration projects, because there's 11 in our master plan, with the new projects, uh, including Wilbrook Wildlife Center, and you mentioned Mays Lake. Mm -hmm. We're taking care of the exterior of Mays Lake, so that's a large project that's gonna be actually mostly completed this year. And then we have a new parking lot going in uh, down at Waterfall Glen. That's actually an expansion of the lot that's at the Cass and Bluff area where we really have a safety, a public safety concern uh, because there's been 100, even 200 cars along the road there. Oh yeah, that's not good. So we, we want to keep those families safe. And we yeah. know people love that preserve. And so we want to make sure they get them in there. We're, we're really proud of the story. We're doing a large restoration down there right now as well. So, of course, we're getting a little bit of concerns about that. But again, it's going to be a beautiful area once it's restored. Uh, and that parking lot's really double the asphalt. We've grown from 17 spots to 170. Wow. That's so a big, yeah, that's a big change. Much better planning, much better design. And so I'm really proud. And I think that's the last key is this year and the last few years, COVID has shown how awesome our staff is. They've risen to the occasion. Our trails are in excellent condition. Our dog parks are in excellent condition. People are getting their needs met. Even though we have more people coming out, these areas look spectacular. Uh, and really, we're really proud of our staff. And, and, and people too, they're practicing leave no trace and taking care of our lands and our shared public uh, wealth here in All in it County. together, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, you're doing so much good work and a lot of it. And I super appreciate not raising the taxes. That's always lovely. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Yes. That was always a goal. <laughs> we love that. We do love that. Uh, so thank you so much for stopping by. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate the time. Thank oh. you. Absolutely. And if you would like to find out more about the Forest Preserve District of DuPage County, please go and visit their website. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We're coming right back after a few short messages. For more than 150 years, you've believed in Busey. Today, more than ever, we believe in you. To our healthcare workers, first responders, and local businesses, you're central to the communities we're proud to call home. Busey's grateful to partner with you and your families through life's ups and downs, today and for generations to come. Because as neighbors helping neighbors, we're in this together. Busey, grateful to serve the communities we call home. Neighborville Crime Stoppers. Yes, I'd like to report some suspicious activity in my neighborhood. How does this work? Yes, thanks for calling. Your call is anonymous, and I will not ask for your name. Instead, you'll be identified by a tip number. In a few weeks, call back with the tip number you received, and I will let you know the status of your tip. If an arrest is made, you could receive a reward up to $1,000. How do I get the reward money if you don't know who I am? Well, when you call back, we set up a time and a place to drop the money. You will be safe, and nobody will know you gave Crime Stoppers a tip. Okay, well, here's what's going on. Welcome back to Spotlight. And joining me now from Bridge Communities is Amy Van Polen. Nice to have you with me, Amy. 
Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Now, Bridge Communities, you've been around for a while, but let's refresh people with your mission and your program objectives. Sure, of course. Yes, we've been around uh, going into our 34th year now, so we've been around for a while. Um, but we are a program that is designed to provide housing and mentoring to homeless families here in DuPage County. And so for families that are facing homelessness, we are an organization that focuses on the long game. We wanna move that family to a place of permanent housing and self-sufficiency. So we're really working with the family on uh, budgeting, going back to school, uh, life skills mentoring, uh, working with the children to really focus on that second generation. Because we want that family, when they leave us after about a two-year time period, to be able to maintain permanent housing for the long term, be able to continue their employment track for their children to be able to succeed in school and beyond. So we're very focused on what is going to happen for the long term for this family. Yeah, and that really feeds into your name, right, Bridge. You're, you're bridging to what you want that future state to look like. Yes, I would like to say we were geniuses with coming up <laughs> with our name, but we weren't. But it is such a wonderful representation of what we are doing. We really want to bridge the client to their future as well as the way our program works is we work primarily with volunteer mentors who are meeting with our clients week after week. Now, even in COVID, they're doing virtual meetings week after week, working on those life skills, working on that mentoring. And we are bridging our families to the community. We're very grassroots, very attached to the community. So in many ways, this name that we did not, um, can't take any credit for, <laughs> um, is so representative of our organization. Absolutely. And, and you talked a little bit about your clients and when you bridge them to the future, Talk a little bit about your typical family, uh, Amy. Who, who comes to Bridge Communities? Our typical family is a single mom. Uh, she's working, but she's working a job that she cannot provide for herself and her children in terms of provide housing, um, any type of financial security. Um, about 55% of our families are survivors of domestic violence. So they're really mm -hmm. looking to start again, to rebuild their life and to work towards the future. Um, 80 to 85% of our families at any given time are BIPOC. Um, and a typical mom has one to two children in our program, and she's typically between 25 and 35. So it's a fairly young mom uh, trying to figure it out, uh, trying to make decisions for her and her children that are going to put her in a much more stable and a much more positive place. So Amy, when you talk about that, I think there's so, something that you said that I think is really important is that uh, most of your clients, they're working already. So it isn't this notion that they're homeless, they're not working. It's just that they're working but not making enough money. Is that right? Absolutely. The driving factors for homelessness for persons who are families is lack of affordable housing and economics. So they are working um, or they have a strong work history when they come into our program, but they are working at a wage that is not sustainable for, a, um, for an apartment here in DuPage County. As you may well know, an apartment here in DuPage County is averaging about $1,200 a month. 
And so for a mom that has one to two children and is working in a job that pays, say, $11 or $12 an hour, she's not going to be able to make rent and all the other expenses that go along with raising her family. So that's really, you're about getting, not only being able to provide them with safe housing, but it really is that how do you help, to your point, mentor them forward so that their job prospects, every other part of their world, kind of catches up with their desire to provide well for their family. Absolutely. At any given time, about 40 of the adults that are in our family, and we'll serve about 100 families a year. And we have around 40 to 45 of the adults in our family are in school of some type. Economics is so what drives the family's long-term stability. And so we're really working with that family to increase the economics in their household. And often that is related to education. And so we have so many wonderful schools in our area, have it be North Central, College of DuPage, Aurora University. We have wonderful partnerships with so many different um, educational institutions. And our families are going back for one-year certifications, two-year degrees, four-year degrees, anything that they can do to increase that income in their household and then therefore give them more stability for the long term. Yeah, that's a great model. Talk a little bit about, you know, COVID's obviously hit so many different mm -hmm. uh, elements of our society. How mm -hmm. has it impacted bridge communities? Great question. At the beginning, it was really just about trying to get our families um, stabilized from working and going to school outside of the home to the technology that they would need and the safety that they would need to then move home. So it was upgrading the internet in our buildings, uh, upgrading technology for um, our families, uh, setting the kids with workstations at home and desk at home so that they could study at home. Um, and then it jumped into employment issues. We went from a 6% unemployment rate to nearly 50% unemployment rate within six weeks in our program. Wow. We have fortunately been able to move that back down to a stable five to 6% again. But we just jumped into employment gear. Now really what we are focusing on is getting back to working on long-term goals um, and working with improving the mental health of so many of our families. COVID has been really challenging. Um, most of our families are uh, persons of color and that population, as you well know, has been ex um, hit extremely hard with COVID. So, so many of our family members um, have lost family members, loved ones to COVID. Uh, the children have been home for quite some time and now going back into school or that they may be dealing with the death of an extended family member. So we're doing a lot of mental health care, a lot of mental health services, partnering with some agencies um, around the county for that. Um, and then again, just getting back into looking for what is that new normal going to be? Even with all of the difficulties of COVID, um, we've really been able to continue to serve our families and provide uh, for our families the best we can. Yeah, so how can the community help you? Oh, um, so we have so many wonderful ways to get involved. I think the most meaningful is to become a mentor. You are able to really take that journey with a family that's in our program. You're able to work with them from a time of such desperation and um, at times just real fear and chaos and so many things that can really be dragging that family down to a place of where they're matriculating from our program. They have stable housing their employment has improved, their relationships are there um, with their family and their children have improved. So mentoring is so meaningful. So that's certainly one way. 
Um, and uh, getting involved with some of our events. We have lots of wonderful events in the community. We will have an event uh, coming up on March 19th that's called Wine, Women, and Shoes. All the information. <laughs> I know. love that title, Wine, Women, and Shoes. What's what not to like? What a wonderful combination. <laughs> it is going to be so much fun, high energy, great fashion show, wine tasting, luncheon, wonderful auctions, just really great, great fun day. Uh, so that's a wonderful opportunity to get involved with supporting our um, mission. And then we have several other events throughout the course of the year. They're all on our website. We definitely would love people to come out and join us for something that sounds fun to them. Well, thank you. Amy, you're doing such amazing work at Bridge Communities. I know that not only the families, but the community benefits from that. Every person that you graduate back into the community in a better, safer place, that's good. That's good for all of us. So thank you for your good work. Oh, thank you for having me on today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And for more information about Bridge Communities, please go and visit their website. We're going to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We're coming right back. I'd like to thank all of my guests for joining us on Spotlight and our friends at Busey Bank for their generous sponsorship of today's show. To learn more about the organizations featured on this episode, please visit our website at nctv17.com. And to stay informed about what's happening in our community, sign up to receive our daily news update and like and follow us on Facebook. For Spotlight, I'm Jane Wynette. Thank you for watching. Today's Spotlight is brought to you in part by presenting sponsor, Busey Bank. Busey, your dream, our promise.